live. Uh, one minute late. My apologies on that. That's uh, that's me being technologically illiterate, probably. But welcome to episode two of uh, Michigan Brews. Uh, technically, our like fourth episode, but only our second guest today. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, today we're talking with uh, Jake and Kaylee from Presidential Brewing, the uh, uh, POTUS and FLOTUS. Uh, so the Losi's opened Presidential Brewing in uh, Michigan, uh, Portage specifically, uh, back in what, March 2019, I think, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what? it's May now, so they were barely over... Uh, uh, barely over a year old when COVID-19 hit, uh, which obviously completely changed the way that uh, they ran their business and everything. So it's going to be super cool talking to them tonight. Uh, we definitely have some questions related to that going on and uh, a lot else. Uh, so we're going to talk about like why they decided to open a brewery and um, how opening a brewery like impacted their family and COVID-19 and um, how they've adapted a, you know the small business lifestyle and uh, you know, this whole crazy new world uh, as far as like, you know, coronavirus and shelter in place and stuff goes. So, uh, right yeah, without further ado, if uh, you guys are ready, we can bring in the Flotus and POTUS. Yeah, let's bring them in. All right. And there they are. Welcome. Hey, hey, welcome. Kaylee. Hello. Thanks for coming on and, and hanging out with us tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having us. Hey, what are you guys drinking? Oh, let's see. I've got Raspberry Parade from Distant Whistle. Not even your beer. Oh man! You know, it's a good shout out. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also drinking a Distant <laughs> now Whistle now I feel beer, <laughs> which I'm messing with my camera. But yeah, uh, Static Space Illusion. <laughs> shout out to Distant Whistle if you guys are watching. Great. And then stuff. I have uh, Peanut Butter Chocolate Stencil Stout from River Root Brewing, their uh, Rochester Hills area. Oh, no kidding. I haven't even heard of it. I haven't even, yeah. That one's cool. Yeah. That's a cool uh, Jif peanut butter can, though. Mm-hmm. No, no, no relation. That's no, not I mean, that's, confused right. with a gift. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's not pronounced Jif. That's right. On that hill. Right on. So let's get into it. Uh, so, you know, Jake, you've been part of Keepers uh, for, as I think, as long as I have. Um, and, and, and we, we homebrewed together back in the day. Uh, so let's go all the way back and, and get into the roots of that. So how long have you been brewing? When did you start homebrewing? Uh, so I've been homebrewing for, it's been about six years. Um, and yeah, the first kit was, a like an extract kit and, you know, one of the ones that you get from Bell's and did it in a kitchen. Um, and it fermented and I was just an idiot that didn't know what he was doing and, um, the problem was that I had silly names and those silly names seemed like too much fun to miss out on. So <laughs> we decided to carry it forward and open a brewery. Like, like I was going to say six years, uh, from, from just starting into home brewing to opening a brewery and that would have been five years. That's, that's crazy fast. You jumped into yeah. that. Like, yeah. this was, like you knew it right then. That was what you were going to do. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> The best part was it was a stupid joke for probably the first three years. Like, oh yeah, someday I'm gonna have a brewery and it's gonna be all these presidential themed beers and it'll be Kaylee. So basically what happened is I made the first beer and um, called it Obama because it was an oatmeal stout and Obama was president at the time and it just seemed kind of like it all fit together. 
And then I drank like a half a case of Obama and came up with some other great names. Uh, and, and I brought them all home to Kaylee and she was like, that's awesome. You should start a brewery. And, and that <laughs> was, really. that was but. the joke. Like, and it, it started there and that joke evolved over the next few years until it was like, well, shoot, like I'm talking to a realtor. <laughs> so then before we jump ahead to that and Kaylee, I mean, I know, I remember my wife's reaction the first time I showed up with, or I actually went to the brewery to be like, I'm going to go buy this stuff and make a beer. It's going to be cool. And she's like, yeah, right. So he starts brewing. What did you, what did you think of that? He's bringing in this new hobby. Well, you know, I have loved craft beer even longer than Jake, believe it or not. Um, one of my favorite stories to tell people is that when I met Jake, his idea of like good beer was Dos Equis, but that was his high rolling beer. And I slowly, it was vanilla Java Porter from Atwater is what convinced him that craft beer could be tolerable. So we started there. Um, so I like to credit myself with she teaching <laughs> decent beer. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, he brings home this kit and starts making beer with his dad and his brothers and um, I mean, beginner's luck, call it whatever you want, but that Obama was fantastic. And <laughs> I am probably his harshest critic, honestly. Um, so I loved that beer. The second beer he made was complete garbage. It was like dumpster fire level bad. And it made my house smell disgusting. So I was not a fan of the brewing process at the beginning. But um, then, you know, after a while, he built a kegerator and we had beer on tap in the basement all the time. And... I was like, all right, I can get down with this. this is, is that about cool. you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Nice. Nice. So, so I guess, why did you, why did you uh, get into it, Jake? What, what made you get that first kit? Uh, so, so that actually is kind of a fun story. It started with this goal that I had. Once I got into craft beer, I wanted to try all of them. Uh, and so... Um, Untapped had kind of come out about that time, and, and I was mostly just trying to develop my palate. And so um, I had created this thing called New Beer Friday, which was a weekly occurrence at the time. It was me and a very small group of three or four people, and every week we'd get together and drink a beer that we never had. And we did that for probably a year or two, and eventually Megabev starts to have less and less on the shelf um, after you've been doing that for every week. Uh, and so we got to, you know, a couple of years into this and it was just like, well, what if we made a beer that's the newest of new beers? New Beer Friday would be perfect. Uh, and so that was, was kind of the cause of the whole thing. Um, and yeah, here we are years later in New Beer Friday. It, it evolved a lot uh, <laughs> over time. Um, but New Beer Friday was really the catalyst uh, for, for the brewing endeavor, if you will. Uh, not to mention that I also loved the prospect of trying to make beer and drink it cheaper than buying it at the stores. Uh, and then I learned that that's not how it works no. at all. You can buy a lot more yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really expensive, but it's yeah, fun. You chase that, that, that bottle, that per bottle price. You always think you're going to get lower and lower. Oh, I know. Just Never silly. Happened. Eventually you just keep, stop keeping track. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Get on. Oh, so yeah, before you open the brewery, um, what, what were you guys doing? Like, uh, obviously now you don't have any time to do anything else, but probably like brew beer and 
you know, make food and take awesome pictures. And Kaylee delivers beer like the beer fairy she is. It's awesome. And, yeah, what were, you, what were you guys doing before, like, the, the brewery open and stuff? Like, uh, what was life like? Less hectic, less uh, stressful? We were, we were both mostly, you know, normal working folk. Um, I'm a graphic designer by day. That was my previous job. Um, so I did a lot of freelance stuff with that. And I work for our church part-time, too. So I was home with our youngest daughter was not in school yet. So I was doing that. And then Jake was living that nine-to-five corporate life <laughs> over at Stryker. So very different world from, well, for you anyway. I'm still kind of doing the same stuff. but <laughs> Yeah. And me, I taught people how to use Excel better. So completely different <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. I, I really liked what I did, and honestly, it, in reflecting backwards, um, a lot of my my time at Stryker helped kind of set me up to be able to do this. Uh, it seems weird that working for a med device company can help you be ready to open a brewery, but um, there's a lot there's a lot that I draw on from my time. I was at Stryker for seven years before doing this growth as a leader, as a, you know, as a manager, all of these different roles that I've served there, they've all fed into what we're doing here at the brewery. And that's been kind of cool too. So speaking of spreadsheets, so you're, you're kind of the spreadsheet master. How, do you, did you bring that into the brewery too? Oh man, I did. <laughs> I sure did. So, um, yeah. I, I like to think of myself as like a level one spreadsheet master. Um, I don't know. I think I'm making this title up, but, but regardless, I, Excel is kind of my jam. Um, I would almost argue that I'm as good as at that as I am with just about anything. So, um, basically I used Excel to more or less develop my own brewing software. Um, and, and it kind of gives me some flexibility that, that some of the other things don't offer. I can cater this exactly to my system. Um, I can dial it into all of the variables that we experience as brewers um, that, that go beyond um, just you know what your boil off rate is or, or things like that, I can actually tune it to, um, to different lots of malt. Uh, so like this lot of malt maybe has an 80% extraction rate where that lot is 78%. Uh, and, and I can for all of that. So my level of nerddom um, it has really kind of helped me to find a way to develop consistency. Um, and it's a, it's a fun outlet for me because I like doing that kind of stuff too. I, I just, I've always enjoyed tinkering with Excel projects and um, yeah, that's just on the brewing side. Then on the just running a business side, there's that many more reasons to be good at Excel. I'm sure. Right. So at what point, you know, I, I've, I've heard, little bits and pieces of the story before, but at what point did you actually get serious about the brewery and say, you know what, let's, let's talk to that realtor. Like, like how long ago was that? And, and what brought that on? I'm going to blame Kaylee for this one. Um, <laughs> so, so really I would say that uh, the time that it started to change away from being a joke was a father's day, probably four years ago, I think something like that. Um, and you know, by that time we'd we'd evolved to uh, we had all of our stupid beer names for the homebrews I was making, and then um, we settled on this idea that oh, it'd be cool to call it presidential brewing. Uh, and so she, being a graphic designer, um, created a logo, printed it out on this giant poster, and then went and grabbed the website from GoDaddy for ten bucks. And the, the logo that is on your shirt still. This one, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> 
She she made the poster that hangs in our basement that somebody knocked the one off always the wall falls. at New Year's Friday at least <laughs> twice during the night every single time. It usually Bill Blakely, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I hope Bill watches. <laughs> but anyways, um, no, it's it was it was that weekend that, that really I think things started to shift gears because um, then it was like, well, we've got a website just in case. Um, but at that point, I started telling people about it as though it was going to be a thing. Like, this is for real. Like, yeah, I'm committed. I'm buying in. And and the funny thing that happens when you start doing that is that everybody wants to help you get there. Uh, so we did. I, I told anybody that would listen, I'm opening a brewery someday. Uh, and someday for me felt like it was probably about five years away. Um, and and I think in, in reality, it was probably about two years out before we started making moves on it. Um, but yeah, at the time, what, what was cool about it is like I said, people want to help you. So I told one person and he said, I know a guy that started a brewery. Why don't you call him? Um, and the, the amazing thing about this community, the brewing world is so open. They want to help people to do this. Uh, so I called him and he said, this is some of the stuff we ran into. This is you know kind of what I see you need to do next. And by the way, you should call these three people. Uh, so I called both three people and then each of those gave me a list of two or three more people. And so I, I was basically just gathering information, but they all led to another step. Uh, and, and each of those steps got us closer and closer to actually doing something instead of just talking about doing it. So uh, I guess in that process, uh, um, Jake and Kaylee, what, what would you say was the largest hurdle that you had to overcome from you know, beginning to, to opening your doors? Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> big question. The first, the biggest one that I can remember being a sticking point for us was, I mean, the financing it was interesting because most of us don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars just sitting around waiting sure. to be spent on a brewery. But finding a location was a huge challenge for us, and. We knew we wanted to be in South Portage. That's where we live. We're in the like the Oakland Center area, um, and that's where our people are. That's where we live, where we work, where we go to church, where our kids go to school. Like we wanted to be a part of the community that we live in, and um, that yeah, that was an important part for us. So we had kind of a small parameter of where we were looking for commercial space. And our realtor, shout out to Amelia Barker King, by the way, with the Barton Group. If anybody needs commercial real estate help, she's your gal. Uh, she put up with us looking at so many different spaces from strip mall spaces to abandoned warehouses. And it, it felt like every time we would make a step forward with finding a potential location, it would get yanked out from underneath us. Or we'd find out like the amount of work that needs to be done to this space is completely cost prohibitive and it's just not realistic. You guys went through uh, a few locations then before? Yeah, we, the, the location we're in now is the third location that we were seriously considering. So the first one, um, we just kind of, when we were pricing out everything that would need to be done to make it worth it, it was pretty small. There was no ability to ever have outdoor seating or anything like that. It was in a strip mall type location. Um, we kind of passed on that for a new build opportunity that got yanked out and handed to somebody else without us knowing. We had started to sign paperwork and all of that kind of stuff and then found out the deal was just no longer there. Um, and that really felt like a huge setback. Like we had mentally committed to this space. We were excited about it. We were dreaming about what this was gonna look like. And then we were back at square one. 
And we looked at like the Panda Dynasty building on Shaver Road or West Mage. I'm not sure what oh, that's yeah. Shaver yeah. Road. Yeah. Um, there was the the furniture, the soldered furniture building over by uh, Main Street Pub on West Mage. And oh yeah, the there's a spot over by DNW, the old DNW on Romance. There are all these spots and it just didn't feel right. And then <laughs> Amelia sent us this rundown old laser tag building. <laughs> 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 and we're like, gross, absolutely not. <laughs> and one day I just randomly, I was out running errands and I'm like, eh, I'm going to go drive over there just to see what it's like. And I kind of drove around. The building was a lot bigger than we thought. And I came home, I took about a hundred pictures and I came home and I told Jake, you need to go look at it. I think it's worth a shot to look at it. And after that we were it was clear that this was the right spot. There was a lot of potential with it, but man, that whole process was so full of emotional highs and lows and feeling like we had made progress and then being even further behind square one than we were before. Um, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to ever having to do anything like that again in my life. <laughs> and I would say that uh, the building was one of three really complicated factors. So there are three things you have to have and somehow they're all supposed to precede the others. You need to have a building, you need to have a license, and you need to have money. And you can't get the loan until you've got a building and a license. You can't get the license until you have money and a building, and you can't get the building until you have money and a license. And it was just like, what do you do? Like, was, that, that was really difficult to navigate. And, and you know, I think what, what we kind of ended up doing more or less is getting a pre-approval, if you will, from the bank that showed that we kind of have the money. Um, and then I convinced the landlord that I could probably get this license. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that is the most yeah. obnoxious hurdle, I think, of any to overcome when you're trying to open a brewery. So, so what you're saying is that uh, we should all try to open our own breweries because it's completely oh, stress-free. Yeah, it. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Super fun. easy. Anyone can do it. Very low stress. <laughs> uh, so... Before we get too far, too, I, I think we have some beer of yours. Hey, we should open it. unless unless Jordan, or you got you guys have empty glasses. I do. So we uh, we stopped into Presidential and bought some beer. Oh, earlier in the week, and I think this is the newest one that you guys have kegged, isn't it? We got some Sherbert Hoover Strawberry Kiwi Kettle Sour. Yeah, is that will show up right? Sherbert Hoover. Yeah. So uh, I think Jordan, uh, Jason, and I are all going to crack our cans, unless you guys haven't already. I'm no, I'm going to dig into it. So tell us a little bit about this beer. Uh, the, the funniest thing is this is a beer that I never planned to make. Uh, so what, what's a kettle sour? I had a brewer that was working with me when we first opened. Um, and shout out to Ryan if you're paying attention right now. But uh, Ryan Walsh, really, really talented brewer. And I knew that we only had him short time because he was getting ready to take a head brewer role out of state. Uh, and so in the time that I could, I wanted to learn from him so that I could grow from being a homebrew size to a commercial size. And he had commercial experience. I did not. Uh, so I had him in and he helped me kind of scale up my recipes, but then also he brought other things to the table and he kept hounding me about doing a kettle sour, do a kettle sour. Mm -hmm. I was so petrified of the idea of doing kettle sours just because I didn't, I don't like bacteria and bugs. I don't want to deal with them. Um, why, why, is that, why is that a huge deal for you? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I, if you saw what my draft line run looks like, you would, uh, 
you would not want to replace them ever. And and part of it was um, a, a lack of understanding of the cattle sour process. Um, so so my biggest fear was that something would get into my draft line and forever contaminate that line uh, so that it wouldn't be able to be used for any other kind of beer. Um, that's a problem. Uh, it's a really complicated replacement and, and I just didn't want to do it. Um, but in, in learning from Ryan, he helped me kind of understand the kettle sour process a little better. And we did our first one. And, and so he wanted to do a kettle sour and I said, well, if we're going to do it, let's, uh, let's add some stuff to it. Um, and one of my favorite mixes, uh, like fruit and other flavors, I love raspberry and vanilla together. I've just always loved that combo. And so we, our first Sherbert Hoover, we did raspberry vanilla and it was really, really good. Uh, it was also pink. That was <laughs> a, a surprise. <laughs> wow. Um, and we, so we made this beer and everybody looked at it and they go, oh my gosh, it's a pink beer. And uh, when people would order it, they didn't even ask us for Sherbert Hoover. They asked us, can <laughs> I get pink the pink beer? beer? Uh, and so <laughs> crazy, like, thing where we developed a brand called the pink beer and i don't even have a beer called the pink beer but um yeah that that was kind of the base or that's that's how sherbert hoover got its start um what are you doing here Corey wanted to know what i was drinking so oh, I was her. there you go what we got it's raspberry parade from distant whistle highly recommend <laughs> but yeah so sherbert hoover um it's that's been quite a journey for us and then um you know we've being only a year old, it's uh, it's still like, I would call it maybe a, a well-kept secret to a certain extent. Um, there weren't a whole ton of people that knew all about this beer and this brand. Uh, and coronavirus kind of came about and did its thing. It created an entirely new audience for us in Kalamazoo. Uh, we have an internet group in this town that that's paying a lot of attention to what different restaurants are doing and, and what different bars and breweries are doing right now. And and we put up a picture of our pink beer and it sold like crazy. I've never moved seven barrels of beer so fast in my life. Uh, how, we how much is a barrel? What's that? How much is, what's a barrel of oh, beer? Uh, so a barrel is 31 gallons. Um, and how, how many pints you get out of that? Or how many so, crawlers? Yeah, we get, uh, it's, it's like 124, 126 pints, somewhere in that range. It's close to that. Um, and and we ran out of that beer in eight days. It was the so most incredible like thing. Way over three hundred crawlers of that beer, just oh my goodness, or something. Wow. Yeah. So, so to, in context, though, this beer usually when I brew it, it lasted for two to three months. Um, and and so to run out in eight days, I was completely dumbfounded. And, and so I immediately had to make another one, and that's where strawberry kiwi came from. It was. Uh, we, we try to keep raspberry vanilla on um, pretty much every other time that I brew this beer um, and, and then kind of experiment in the other time. So, this is the first time uh, you've strawberry done strawberry kiwi? kiwi? Yeah. Uh, what's okay. that? First time we've done strawberry Oh, yeah, yeah. Kiwi. That's oh, the first okay. one. Okay. Yeah, and we poured 100 crawlers of it Saturday when we released it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's about two kegs of that, and then we yeah. have a shandy version of it, too. Uh, and another keg's worth of the shandy version. What's a, what's so, a shandy version? Here's to Alan drinking the Shandrew Jackson over there. Appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, so uh, we we have uh, Shandrew Jackson is basically our Sherbert Hoover, and we mix a little bit of our uh, in-house craft lemonade. Um, and it's just a ton of fun. It, it adds a little bit of sweetness to it, uh, and it kind of mixes really well with 
with our sherbet. And really we've found that with almost every fruit that we've added, that lemonade has added kind of a neat layer to it that uh, that's made made huh. that beer come from. Oh, One of my cool. favorite things about this series and specifically the Shandrew is we get, we get a lot of people that'll come into the brewery and they're like, yeah, I'll just have a soda. I don't, I don't like beer. And they're there with somebody who does like beer um, or they just wanted to come for dinner or something like that. But this, the Shandrew Jackson specifically has really given us this really fun gateway tool. And my staff actually gets a kick out of somebody will say, well, I don't drink beer. And they're like, oh yes, you do. Here, try this. <laughs> and even Jake's mom who, We've tried for years. I mean, like, like Rubeus on Nitro is delicious and fantastic and does not taste like beer. It tastes like candy. Soft parade, <laughs> soft parade candy. We tried every fruit beer we could think of. Could never get her to like a beer until the Sherbert Hoover came along and the Chandra Jackson did it for her because it tastes like a cocktail, basically. Yeah. Um, and now she drinks the sour without the lemonade in it, too. So it was a really fun little gateway beer for her to, to get introduced i guess to a craft beer style that she liked um my best friend who never drank beer she was a vodka and diet coke girl for life um and actually wax wings uh the talky tiki from wax wings was the sour that first got her onto the path of liking beer and now she drinks obama is her favorite beer now <laughs> so it's really cool to see people being willing to try beer and step into something different when it doesn't necessarily taste like a hobby IPA or a super dark beer. So, oh, Jason, you might be muted. I was. Thanks. <laughs> so, <laughs> there so it is. For the the dog was barking earlier. Um, for the viewers that don't know, a shandy is is a mixture of a juice and a beer, or or a pop and a beer. It's it's basically cutting a beer with another uh, beverage to to kind of um, you know make it lighter, more palatable, so on and so forth. I, I have talked to other breweries in the area that also find that they do. Uh, really well with their shandies for those people that come in and they're like, they're there for the food or they're there for a friend and they may not like beer and they're like, try a shandy. I know Arclight does a whole lineup of, of, you know, five or six different sodas and they'll cut whatever beer you want with it. And uh, I think that's really cool that you guys do that to give somebody. Cause then, you know, you get that half and half and then maybe you start tailoring off the lemonade. Next thing you know, you're drinking a kettle sour yep. and then, <laughs> Gateway. And then two yeah. weeks later you're, you're slamming IPAs. So it's, it's awesome. So, Jake, you mentioned uh, your old brewer uh, ran off to another brewery. I think it's Trust Brewing, isn't it? That That's he, right. Yeah. So, have you, you get, have you guys done a, like a collaboration with him yet, um, or like you've done some collaborations, right? Like with other breweries, like one of my favorite things. Um, and and so we we do a whole series of collaborations. We call it across the aisle uh, because everything's on theme here for us. Um, but ah. the idea. Is to, <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> Texas. Yeah, <laughs> two different breweries working together for uh, for a purpose that they might have in common, uh, right? So um, we've done a, a a bunch of collaborations in town, but we our latest one was actually with Ryan now, who's out at Trout Brewing uh, in North Carolina, and and um, it's been so much fun to do these collaborations. We've worked with uh, in town here, Texas Corners, and One Well, and. Um, you know, some places a little further away, but territorial and tantric brewing and distant whistle. And what's what's neat about collaboration for me uh, is you get to kind of play off of each other a little bit as brewers. You get to learn kind of how this place puts their recipes together. Um, but really, I, I have this inherent belief that we all have something to learn from each other. Uh, in each collaboration that I've done, 
I've picked up something new that I can use at the brewery. Not not that I'm trying to steal trade secrets or anything, but <laughs> we're again the the brewing community is in support of making better beer altogether. Yeah. Uh, and and I love that I get to make better beer as a result of working with um, you know working with somebody that has been doing this a lot longer than me or. Uh, maybe somebody that just has an idea that I've never thought of. And so we've actually had some processes implemented at our brewery as a result of some of these different collaborations. And it's been really, really fun. So it's something I really believe in. Uh, this community was built to kind of uh, chase collaboration. And, and I love that we get to be part of that. I love the, that we get to host people in, have them come in for a brew day and, and you know feed their team and make sure they've got enough beer to get through a boil. Uh, <laughs> so, so we asked Trevor this question. I didn't. I don't think I put it on the docket for you, but um, but this this ties into it. I mean, is there any dream collab out there? Like, uh, you know, what what's that? And it doesn't have to be local. But but what what brewery out there would you love to uh, to to do a collab with someday? Oh man, um, I guess if I had to pick one that's uh, that's complete and utter shot in the dark, it's probably Tired Hands. Um, Tired Hands in in Pennsylvania, they make incredible beer. I don't think I've ever had anything that I don't like, but they also do some really wild experimental stuff. Um, but as far as as far as beer goes, man, they are they're my they're my number one favorite brewery. Uh, I would say if right I could on. do a collaboration with them or with Southern Grist down in Nashville, <laughs> those would be like dreams come true uh, to pull that off. Uh, cool. Well, I shout like out that to name, Tired Hands. Yeah. Southern Grist. That's, <laughs> that's fun. So, so we're drinking Sherbert Hoover, and it, and it kind of sounds like like you're, you you know this is a this is a, a love child here too. So my question was going to be what what was the favorite your favorite beer that you make? Is this your favorite beer that you make, or is there something else? It's it's my favorite for some reasons, um, but it's not my favorite to drink necessarily. I I really like Sherbert Hoover, but I think the best beer that I've ever made um, was a beer called William Hazy Harrison. Um, that was a New England IPA. That one was really, really fun. Uh, it turned out awesome. I've only brewed it once. Uh, so we're actually getting ready to brew that again here pretty quickly. And, and uh, I'm just hopeful that it turns out just as great this next time. Seven barrels of that, too. I yeah, with you. that's best the plan. beer that Jake makes. Is a lovely little thing called the Calvin Creamage. <laughs> it is Calvin my favorite. I love Wait. a lot of things, but hold up your can for Corey so you can see your name. Oh. Um, I just, I absolutely love the Creamage. So the story of Calvin Creamage is really fun for us. We had some friends that were throwing their annual Christmas party that they have all their neighbors over. They wanted to know if Jake would, and this was back like homebrew days, and wanted Jake to brew a beer to bring with us for their Christmas party. And Jake was kind of like, okay, you know, do you want like Obama or do you want one of the write-in ballads? And they're like, well, we're gonna be, we're gonna play beer pong with it. And we were like, oh, okay. So we don't want a 7% IPA to play beer pong. And Jake had never brewed a cream ale before and set out to do it and it turned out fantastic and we loved it. And that beer is one that's almost always on. Jake and I spar over whether or not patriotic or Cremage is the supreme light beer, but I love that Cremage is chill. I can drink it all the time. Nice. It's my favorite to convert the Bud Light drinkers who come in and say, 
you know, just like we use the shandy for the, I like sweet, um, but the, uh, the, well, I drink domestics. Do you have any of those? No, but I have this and it's really good. And I'll try it and they're like, oh, turns out I like craft beer. It's also a bona fide hangover killer. So anytime I, <laughs> when I get to work and it's because we hung out the night before too late and drank too much, creamage always has me feeling better. I'm going to have to take note of that. Little Jason, dog. that might yeah. be good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jason was mentioning how great he felt getting on the show tonight. Yesterday was a little rough. <laughs> you know what? You soldiered through. Oh, man. You got so Jimmy Carter you... often? Hey, Christine. <laughs> trying Mike. to keep up on the comments. Yeah, we've yeah. got a lot. Yeah. On President's Day. There's she Mike. The attendee. Drinking some right in ballot. Hey, Mike. Hi, Mike. Mike's one of our keepers. Shout out to that. So I'll do it then. Uh, that's a, the, the, the second or third time now we've heard about right in ballot. What the hell is right in ballot? What, what, what is that? So this was my excuse to get better at making beer. Um, when I was uh, you know newer to home brewing, I had sort of a nice IPA recipe that I really liked, uh, but I also didn't know the hops. Uh, it took a long time to start to get to know those and what each hop contributes. It's really difficult when you've got hops paired together to separate them out and know what each one's contributing. So um, a, a lot of brewers would know Vinny from Russian River. Um, he had a series of IPAs that he did out there and it was really kind of neat. He would do one hop at a time the rest of the beer stays exactly the same. And so Vinny was kind of the uh, inspiration for this particular idea. But um, yeah, basically what, what's neat about it is I know what this malt base is gonna do for me. I know what the yeast is gonna do for me. I know what the water profile is, but this hop is gonna introduce some variables and I'm gonna get to know each hop one by one by one, uh, just kind of tweaking this. So uh, basically we've been doing that. We've carried it forward into presidential and I've chosen some of my favorite hops from my time as a home brewer uh, to showcase it first, but we still use it to experiment a little bit. Uh, the one that we have on now uh, is with Falconer's Flight, which is a hop that I had never brewed with before. The, the only oh, ever time I, I remember seeing Falconer's Flight in like a commercial beer lately was uh, when Dark Horse used to do Falconer's Flight Crooked Tree. That's the only I think, time I can ever remember yeah. it like being like really widely used. I think Distant Whistle had Falconer's Punch as well. Okay. Yep. Okay. But yeah, it it was it was just a hop that I didn't know well enough. And and if you don't know Falconer's Flight, it's actually a blend hop of the seven American seas. Um, so Citra and Centennial and uh, Cascade and Chinook and Columbus and there's a couple more anyways. Uh, but it it was it was something where I wanted to see what does this hop do on its own because that gives me a sense of how I might be able to use it on other beers. Uh, so I love our Right in Ballot series. It's it's a nice clean, it's a West Coast IPA. Um, so it's a pretty easy to drink IPA. Uh, it's not a whole ton of craziness, um, but it gives me a chance to get to know what flavors and aromas each individual hop brings to the table. And that's important for uh, like crafting new beers then? Is, is that kind yeah. of what? Oh yeah, I carry that forward because a lot of my more um, complex IPAs will have three to five hops in them. Okay. Uh, and so then I know I want to draw this out of this hop or it'll help me to establish 
I want maybe 30% of the hops to be this kind and 70% to be that kind. Um, because I know that I want to draw certain kinds of characteristics out of whatever I'm putting into the beer. So the write-in ballots really helped us to learn those hops well uh, and kind of showcase each one. And I think one of, okay. one of the things from a taproom side, I spend more time on the front of house side for those watching who don't know that. Um, and one of my favorite tools is using the write-in ballot to teach people who are getting into beer or maybe couldn't identify hmm. one hop from another. It's a really awesome educational tool for us to be able to teach our customers, hey, they really love Citra. Okay, well, next time we brew Hazy Harrison, that might have a lot of Citra in it or, you know, whatever. But it's cool for us and for my staff to be able to use that as a tool to teach people, okay, I don't really care for this hop. I think a lot of people come into craft beer and they, they like certain beers and they hate certain beers. Um, I know I judged IPAs. I hated IPAs for a long time because the first and only IPA I ever drank was Huma Lupa Delicious, which oh, is yeah. a very terrible beer to start with. It's fantastic. <laughs> but as a only dark beer drinker and newer craft beer drinker, that is not the you know step one to learning how to like IPAs beer. Um, so teaching people why they like certain things and why they don't like certain things, when you have a single hopped IPA like that, it's really fun to be able to get people to hone in on, okay, I know I love beers with mosaic in them or with Citra or with Centennial. And when we make those beers in the future, then they know, okay, I know I'm going to take the chance to order that one because it's got a hop that I really like. Nice. Cool. It's a cool way to tie it in. So you do another, uh, there's another kind of odd brew that you do at the, the, the brewery where you, you get some home brewers or some other community uh, involvement involved or uh, people to come in and brew beer with you. What, 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 tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, so uh, this program was born out of insecurity. Uh, well, I'll just start there, but you know, you, you brought this up earlier. I was, I was relatively fast to go from home brewing to pro brewing. And, and that came with some hesitance. It came with some concern about, you know, am I cut out for this? Um, and so one night uh, I was kind of brainstorming, like, how do I overcome maybe any gap that I might have out there? Apart from hiring somebody that knows what they're doing really well already in the commercial world, but how do I maybe mitigate my lack of understanding in making a great beer because I haven't been brewing long enough? And we came up with a program that we call, uh, it's a primary election. Uh, so, as I said earlier, it kind of fits in with our theme. Uh, but the primary election is a lot of fun because it's it's really uh, what we'll do is we'll prescribe a style, and I'll say this is kind of the vision. This is what I'm chasing. I've got a name for it already, um, and this is the style I want it to be in. And then I will find a couple of brewers to compete with me um, for the winning recipe of that of that beer. Uh, so the last or the first one that we did, I'll talk about that one. It'll make Brian happy. <laughs> so, Corey, listen to this story because you love the hay. So this is for you. So, so the first the first primary election that we did, um, I I like my New England IPA. I also know a guy that makes ridiculously good New England IPAs, and so I had to have him in the competition. Uh, our first competition was for Rutherford B Hayes, a New England IPA. And so I, I, I uh, talked to Brian and I talked to uh, Ryan, our former brewer, and then me. Those were the three different recipes um, going into this. And what we do is we brew all three of them on the pilot system. 
and then we actually uh, set them up in a flight. Uh, so all three, you, you buy the flight, and then with the flight, you get a token to vote with. Uh, and, and after you get the flight and you drink all three, you get to choose which one your favorite is. If you like A, B, or C better, you go put it in, in the corresponding box. Um, and what was neat about it, too, is we also, our mug club is called the Electoral College, and their votes are a different color because they count for more points. So the Electoral College really can actually beat the popular vote in this, uh, in this setup, um, just based on the weight of their votes. But what was really cool is um, this idea that I don't believe I'm the only person that can make good beer. I, I really, I think that's the, the important thing to take away from this. I, I think that there are plenty of really awesome brewers in town, and, and I've been humbled a couple times already. Um, so our first primary election, Brian actually won with his recipe for Rutherford B. Hayes. So the man you're looking at right now is the one responsible for that. <laughs> uh, and, and Getting so, a lot of love over there in the comments. Oh, man. I see that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good beer. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, uh, as much as I hate that it wasn't my recipe, I love that it was yours. I think that's really cool. Uh, I, I love that uh, that somebody that's on the homebrew level can get something that's out there commercially too, uh, and I, I just think that's super cool. I mean, I voted for Brian. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a really fun experience. It, it really was. Jake uh, doesn't even tell me. I don't even know which beer is which. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, I can't, I'm not blind. allowed to be biased about my voting process. And obviously that's on hold a little bit right now with uh you know the whole COVID uh, thing going on. But what what's the next one? What what are the the beers going to oh, be? Man. I was oh, so the sad. Oh. The next one was literally ready to. We were putting it on March twenty first, and we got shut down March sixteenth. No. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so I've got three different. Uh, they're mole stouts. Uh, mole stout is is dark beer, chocolatey, also with some pepper. Um, and not necessarily, it doesn't have to necessarily be hot, but you should taste pepper flavor out of it uh, in okay. order to make a good mole. And um, so we've got three good ones and these are, these are all big stouts. These are eight and a half to nine and a half percent. Uh, so these should be some butt kickers, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I've got three really, really good beers. I'm so excited to drink these. Who's your participants um, in this one? What's that? Who's, who's the people oh, participating? Uh, so, so almost every time one of the recipes is mine. Um, this time I, I've got one of the entries, uh, Mike Lightfoot, who's watching. He has, nice. Uh, oh, nice. nice. and then Adam Cagle and Art Konick came together and kind of awesome. collaborated on the third recipe. So oh, that's super cool. Yeah. All, everybody's from keepers of craft, really. <laughs> <laughs> the best in this part of the country. Like it. <laughs> So I want to, I, I saw a comment that, that scrolled by because Brian was getting some love and, and moms were getting involved, but uh, <laughs> Drew Doster, who's another keepers, uh, and, and, and he's actually just now starting his journey into some pro brewing. So he's asking about this, um, you know, th that your beer, your beer fairy delivery thing is, is amazing because of the stay order, I, you know, the stay at home order, and it's a really cool idea. But are there any legal hurdles around it, or could you have always done it? Like, what changed, or, or is it? Did you just react to COVID and start doing deliveries? So that uh, delivery was actually always allowed under our license, and that's not necessarily true of every brewery. I believe that a brewery of Bell's size 
cannot have, they don't have a microbrewer license. They have a brewer license. So it's a little different. And the, some of the rules oh. are, are uh, different between here and there. Uh, but as a microbrewery, I have every ability to, um, to do delivery. And what's interesting is like, it doesn't even, it doesn't really even intersect with the self-distribution model because I'm not selling it to somebody else for resale. So even a place a little bigger than us, like a Latitude 42 or a One Well or somebody that's already doing distribution, they can do deliveries too um, under their license. So that's something that we started doing amidst all of this, um, just to try to fill a gap. Uh, obviously being shut down and not being able to have people in our building, we needed to try to make up some of that ground. And and it took us a couple of weeks to to get into doing delivery. We had to figure out our systems and how we were gonna do it. But man, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and and I see the question up there right now, can we keep it going? Uh, so Corey, I, let me give you some assurance right now. We plan to keep doing beer deliveries after everything is all said and done. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and, and our hope is to keep doing deliveries once a week, um, even going forward. I think one of the, the cool things about finding some silver linings through this whole COVID situation is, you know, beer delivery was always allowed for us. Um, back to Drew's question, it was always allowed. It wasn't something that, you know, we were given permission to do now. Cause there are some things that are now being changed where laws are being relaxed a little bit in some states and things. Um, but we were always allowed to do that, but implementing a new anything is obnoxious to be honest with you. Like same with takeout for us. We never did takeout before this. Um, and it was just kind of one of those things that as soon as we were forced to either figure this out or not make any money, there's a little bit more motivation there. Um, so I think it's pretty cool that a lot of us have, for whatever reason, been forced to implement these new programs and to see the community embracing it, we didn't know what to expect. The first week, truthfully, we had 10 deliveries and we thought that was awesome. And then we had 40 and then we had 60 and then we averaged around 100, just under 100. We had a week the week, the last time that we had Sherbert Hoover, the Raspberry Vanilla, we had 182 stops in one day, which was nice. nuts. <laughs> Probably too many, if we're being how, honest. How but, long was that day? I mean, we had, it was still we had three 10 hours. Drivers. We had 10 drivers for three hours of deliveries, plus another three hours, four hours of oh, pouring. Cans. We poured 700 or 600 cans of beer that day. Uh, poured, sealed. They all had to be stickered, all of that. And thankfully we have a really awesome team who was just excited to get back to work and do something. Um, so it's, you know, it's been obviously tough for all of us in this industry over the last couple of months, but in a weird way, I'm grateful for the kick in the pants to kind of start some new stuff that we've low key talked about. Oh yeah, it'd be cool to do takeout. It'd be cool to do other stuff, but you know, it's hard to stop your normal routine and try to implement something new. So that routine was stopped for us. And we kind of, you know, found ourselves with this time now to see what we can get creative with and see what we can do. Awesome. Um, sorry, dealing with a little bit of, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, of uh, our, our first, um, 
I'm actually I'm actually happy about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're we're first, yeah. Our first troll. Our first troll. That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, good luck to you, troll. Uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good times. Uh, so, so Kaylee. You know, we talk, and this this is actually a question for my wife. The other night when I was writing up these questions and stuff, I'm talking to Amy, and I'm like, I need I need some some more. We need more dirt on Kaylee. And so she very seriously asked, what are the job duties of the Flotus? What have you found your role to be in the company? It's not about Jake. We know what Jake does. Um, so oh. we, I think actually one of the reasons that we can make this work is that Jake and I have very different backgrounds. And we have very different strengths. All the things that I am the worst at, he's very good at, and vice versa. Um, so I come from, I was a server bartender for 10 years, all through college. I mean, when I was 16 years old, that was my first job, was being a waitress at a pizza place. And so I've been in this industry on the service side of things for a long time. Um, Jake's never worked in a restaurant in any capacity. so where he takes over the brewing side, um, all of the production, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it kind of became my baby to deal with front of house, um, kind of hiring, training, staffing, um, all of that kind of stuff. And then I mentioned earlier, I'm um, a graphic designer by day. So all of our logo stuff, graphics, social media stuff, website stuff, all that good stuff gets thrown on my plate as well. Um, and you could probably tell if there's ever a Facebook post that was made by Jake and not by me. Um, there's a clear difference. <laughs> if it's from Jake, it says, here's the information you need to know and a picture that I took on my crappy phone. And that's it. If it's from me, After my own it's heart. a photo that's been edited and there's like 47 paragraphs worth of information that don't even relate to what I'm talking about, but I feel like you need to know anyway. So... There's a, there's a very clear differentiation, which probably isn't actually the proper way to do social media, but I don't really care. Um, right. If it's working, so anyway, it's working, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> great because I'm not, as you heard earlier also, I'm big as the spreadsheet guy. He comes from a finance background. He's all about systems and efficiency, and I am all about flying by the seat of my pants very inefficiently. So we are a good team in that aspect because all of the things that are important I can give to Jake and all of the things that just require me to be obnoxious and creative, uh, I get to do that. So it works out. So those are my jobs. And I sit at the bar and drink beer and clap when he sings at open mic. <laughs> the That's most great. important job. Probably the most important thing that I do. <laughs> Go. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm reviewing some of our questions here, and I lost track of like where we were where we were sitting. What you got, Jordan? That's what I was trying to. I was looking at it, trying to figure out where where we're at. Um, I yeah, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Jordan off real quick, even though I just did that. I, I'm almost <laughs> done with this crawler already. Somebody asked earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, Jordan, but uh, God, who asked that? Was it Corey? Yeah, I think it was Corey yeah. asking what you thought of the. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm almost done with the crawler. I, I said at the beginning of the show that I was going to save some for Shayna, and I'm sitting here texting her like, you, you should probably come in here and get this from me. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> 
it's 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 almost gone. I have like eight ounces. So Shana, if you're listening, come get this because I'm topping myself off, and the rest is yours. Uh, but no, it's it's delicious. Like it's the for me the the perfect level of uh of tartness. Um, it really the more I drink it, the 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 the, the more um, I think because my taste buds get used to the tartness, and the smoother it gets, and the sweeter it gets, and the more flavors come out, and yeah, it's just yeah, absolutely. This yeah. one's a lot more tart than the last one, even too. The, okay. That kiwi, I think, really jacked it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, it I'm does. Like, I get get a lot of that and a lot of the strawberry. It works. It works really well together. So good job, guys. It's delicious. <laughs> strawberry anything is hard to pull off in the brewing world, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. Fruit's difficult. Uh, you know, you have to. You have to. We use real fruits, um, real fruit purees that we get right here in Michigan, and uh, it's difficult to do. <laughs> when you're using real fruit, a lot of the times those things can start to re-ferment in your cans. Um, so we, we try to be real intentional to make sure that never happens with our beer. Uh, the last thing I want is for somebody to sit at home with a can that blows up in their face and you know bubbles up when they open it. So, a couple of weeks ago, when uh, we had Trevor on, uh, somebody asked that question in chat. Um, and, and he basically said, what do you think of the recent trend about basically packaging, like not fully you know, fermented out beer and Trevor was like, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to package a beer for distribution that isn't shelf stable and, and you're not sure of it. I, I kind of get annoyed at breweries to do that. It's another thing to have a, a reaction where you're doing crowlers, um, you know, where, where, you know, this beer probably never intended it to really be in cans, but now yeah. that's your only Avenue, right? Um, yeah. Not saying that 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 you've got any can bombs or or whatever here, but I, I think it's just a different, um, you know, kind of a different outlook. Yeah, we we never intended to be a packaging brewery. Right. Uh, right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I guess that 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 does um, transition into a question: How has uh, starting your own brewery, uh, or how has your homebrew transitioned into uh, becoming a, a pro brewer? Are you still making the same recipes? Have they modified? What's it like brewing on a larger system? Yeah, so I think that the uh, the most important lesson that I learned in transition is that um, when I was brewing at home, I could I could go from cold water to finished wort uh, in four and a half hours, probably. Uh, so basically, the, the whole process, I'm done in four and a half hours. And my fastest brew days right now are probably closer to five and a half, maybe maybe almost six hours, somewhere in that window. The, the, the reality is that it takes a lot longer to cool down 220 gallons than it does to cool down five gallons. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, right? and, yeah, yeah. And so anybody that's brewing... Uh, for any amount of time, understands that the longer you spend hot with hops, uh, your bitterness is going to change. And so I think that these are largely the same recipes that I brewed when I was home brewing, uh, except for the, the biggest change that I made was to bittering hops. Uh, I need to adjust that down to account for the extra time that the beer is going to spend hot uh, and, and cooking those hops and extracting those acids out. So I would say that's one of the biggest changes. And then the other the other thing is that I believe in continuing education. I, I think that I should, con if I'm not getting smarter, then I'm going to be lagging behind my competition all the time. Uh, so I read new books. I, I try to study people that are 
experts in their field at this. And, uh, you know, our, our Rutherford B. Hayes, the, the recipe that Brian won with, I took it and made like two really small tweaks based on a book that I read in December from Scott Janish, a really accomplished um, brewer uh, who just opened his own brewery too. Mm-hmm. Um, and well-respected in that industry. He, he uh, definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to the New England style. So we adapted uh, some of the some of the stuff based on the stuff that we learned from the book. And and I would say that those are really the, the big changes. But fundamentally, the beers are more or less the same beers that I was brewing at home. Um, but you do have to adapt to commercial scale. It's, it is different. It doesn't you don't just get to multiply by, you know, by 20 in order to get your recipe. It's I wish it were that straightforward sometimes, but um, it, chemistry is not, not always straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. So Kaylee, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, when you're doing, you're working the house and, and Jake singing on the mic, like, so, so, so how does this, this tailor in? Like you, you got this guy that breaks out, Hey, I want to open a brewery in two years or, or whatever. And, and then he opens a brewery and now he wants to be a stand up comedian and a singer. <laughs> wait, and, wait, and then, I, didn't, I didn't know this. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and then you got, you know, this, this daughter that's like following daddy's footsteps. Like, where is this going to stop Jake? Are you, are you going to settle on a career or are you going to just keep going? Listen, I'm just a cameraman. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a machine. I'll just keep turning on those Facebook posts with the cute kid. And you know, that's one of my favorite things about Jake, truthfully, is he is not afraid to try something new for the first time, which is why we now own a brewery. And it's been it's fun. And one of the things that I think probably sets us apart a little bit is that he's willing to put himself out in front of people and look like a dummy just to get people engaged. We weren't we knew we weren't gonna start open mic night if there wasn't somebody to start it. So for the first few weeks, it was literally just Jake, like with his mom and dad and sister and brother and us like sitting there clapping along. And after like 45 minutes, he's like, hey, I'm out of songs. But I don't know what else to sing. And, you know, it's it's fun to be married to somebody who is willing to say, I'll be the first one to step up and look silly. I don't care. And, you know, now we, that's one of the things I miss the most right now is open mic nights. We have a blast every week. We've got some really great folks that come out to play songs. And I believe it's in part because Jake's willing to take the first steps and be like, well, if I can do it, you can do it too. Have you still been doing those like virtually? It's fun. Like on Facebook Live and stuff? I've I've seen a few. Oh, or have those been, uh, I've seen you guys have some sort of events with a, with musicians yeah, on did. lately still like the first week after we got so we got shut down on a tuesday or monday night wasn't it and mm-hmm. then we were closed tuesday so that first week we were still allowed to have small gatherings so we had a couple of the guys that come do open mic every week they came to our house and then they did open mic live from our living room and after that the shelter in place hit so we mm-hmm. quit doing that but it's been fun to be able to have typically every thursday we'll have live music in the tap room um from seven to nine which is something that we look forward to every week. Um, you know, it's nice for us to just be able to sit down and have a beer and listen to good music. So some of those artists, you know, all those people right now have been hit just as hard, if not harder. We're at least allowed to do takeout and beer deliveries and stuff. And all of our artist friends are sitting at home, not able to make any money. And um, so we've been letting them take over our Facebook page and 
go live from their living rooms and and try to get some tip money, which is which is fun, and it gives people a chance to hear some live music. It's not the same, but something, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Drew asked just a second ago too, and we'll we'll, we'll scroll back through some questions like once uh, once we run out at the end here too. But Drew wants to know, uh, maybe this is a Jake question more, but uh, what's the hardest working piece of equipment in your brewery besides the brewers? Implying that you are a piece of equipment, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there are days that I feel like a piece of equipment. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh no so i would say that the the chugger if you will is probably we have i have a hot liquor tank that has no heating element in it um and and really what i do is i run water through uh, an instant water heater on the wall before it gets into the hot liquor tank i think that instant water heater gets its workout oh my goodness because i I not only do I use that to heat up all of my strike water and my sparge water when I'm making beer, but it's also my cleaning water. It's also when I want to run uh, kegs through the keg washer, I heat up water with that thing. If I'm trying to clean my fermenters out. It's heat and water. Like that thing, it it works triple time. Uh, so yeah, by far and away, that piece of equipment works huh. blood off. How hot does the water come out of that thing? I've been thinking. I, we were looking at one for our house at one point. 185 if you get the oh. right setup. Yeah, so no, I don't think we want that. Yeah, <laughs> I was um, uh, with the the Michigan Homebrew Festival last last year was a, the 10th anniversary of the Michigan Homebrew Festival, and a bunch of the clubs got together and we brewed at Rustic Leaf over on the east side. Awesome brewery, but they hosted us. They let us set up in their parking lot, and uh, that was the first brewery I saw. And he was he was getting like 195 out of his instant um or a tankless water heater and it was it just blew my mind i'm like i never even thought of that that that's uh that you can yeah. actually run a production environment off of of that and he's like i believe and, and if if this ever gets to that guy i apologize if i'm wrong but i believe he was even setting it you know to his mash temp and just like like this is this is i need to hit here to mash in and get there so do you do that do you tweak the the temp coming out of it or do you just uh adapt <laughs> Basically, what I have is I have a tree. Um, mm -hmm. the, there's hot on this side, there's cold on this side, and they come up to a T and they meet in the middle. Uh, and, and each hot and cold has a valve on it. Nice. So you I'll can open them accordingly, dial in my temperature, but I'll heat water to the same level. And then I will add in cold water to kind of uh, temperature down based on the beer I'm making. Sorry, just geeking out on that because I, I wanted one for my house too, and we. Uh, you know, I, I humored a uh, Amy humored me and let me get a couple of quotes on it, and no, I I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ever do, get you a cup of tea and two ball valves. You'll be all <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all beside for brewing and showering. Mm. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, let's see. Well, we'll get like I said. I, I put it in chat too. But I know I'll scroll back through. Uh, we missed a lot of good questions as we've been rolling through the questions that we kind of pre-planned on for the show. So we'll, we'll go back and do a Q&A at the end if we've missed any. Um, that said, uh, I see a lot of posts, Kaylee, from you lately talking about how you're selling out of food and, uh, you know, get your orders in early, um, night after night, even after this COVID crisis. Like, so uh, what's it been like for you guys transitioning from a dine-in established to a takeout? Yeah, that was an interesting experience um 
you know, truthfully, we we started hearing this buzz about coronavirus and stuff kind of January, February, and we I felt like Michigan was protected. We weren't one of those, you know, hotspot, big city metro areas. We weren't on the coast. We weren't, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, we were hearing there's no toilet paper at Sam's Club. And I was like, oh, shit, this is like, this is a real thing. Okay, this is happening. Like, okay. And then the next day they shut down the schools and all of a sudden, you know, what we thought, we, we didn't have a plan for this because we really didn't think it was going to hit as hard and as big as it did. Yeah. And call it naivety, call it, you know, whatever. But we just didn't. We didn't have a backup plan. We didn't have whatever. Um, so when that all happened, it was literally overnight. Um, plugged in next to your couch. Jake's gotta go to my computer starter because we're gonna die. Um, <laughs> so literally overnight, we you know we shut down that Monday and we decided we're gonna be closed on Tuesday. Kind of take a day to get our lives together a little bit and figure out what our game plan is. We talked about do we just shut down? Do we? We've never done takeout before. This isn't. We were convinced that we would not see takeout traffic because we aren't a place that people normally consider. We're not a pizza place. We're not Chinese food. We're not, you know, we're not a lot of those places that people typically would call in to get to go food. Mm-hmm. We didn't even accept to go orders um, unless you were already in the brewery and just wanted to take an extra order of popcorn with you or something. Um, after we kind of got our emotions in check a little bit, we decided, all right, we're going to give takeout a go and we're going to see how this works. And um, we found a system online. It was actually, I saw two guys in Grand Rapids posting their takeout menu and um, clicked over to the system they were using. It looked really easy, so we plugged it in. So yeah, literally overnight, we, w- we went from fully dine-in traffic to we're gonna try to be a takeout restaurant and see what happens. And we kind of figured the first few weeks we would see a lot of family, friends, our mug clubbers, our regulars coming in to support us. And then after that, it would die off. That's That was what we expected. And um, we did see that first week especially, I mean, every person we knew and loved came to get takeout that week. It was incredible. And it, like, I cried so many times that first week, like, seeing everybody that we know and, like, people coming in multiple nights a week to get food. And it was incredibly humbling. But what we knew was that couldn't sustain us forever. That same group of, like, 200 people isn't going to come get takeout every single day and keep us going. So what's going to happen when that dries up? And um, I don't know if Beth is still on, but that's when Kalamazoo Menu showed up. And we went from, you know, before COVID happened, our ratio was about 70% returning customers to 30% new customers. And now it's pretty much flipped. So now we were getting, after those first couple of weeks, 70% of the people that were ordering had never been to our business before. And it's wow, a complete surprise that that happened because... We love our regulars, but I don't expect them to keep us, you know, to single-handedly keep us in business. Um, it's just not a realistic expectation. And to go from literally flipping the script on our, our business traffic going to almost all new customers and first-timers was completely out of the realm of anything we could have expected. And we're still not perfect at takeout, but I feel like we've got a pretty good system. You know, big pours beer and runs orders outside. I stand in the window and tell everybody what to do. And we've got a couple staff she members does. that, oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know where my place is and it is outside the kitchen yelling at everybody else. But um, 
yeah, we've kind of figured out what it is that works for us. And the fact that we're still selling out, um, we set up a system. I have a spreadsheet, much to Jake's happiness, um, every day where I have a certain number of time slots or a certain number of spaces for each time slot. We had a small kitchen. We're not big enough, you know, we're, we can't handle Pizza Hut level traffic. We, we're not, or bellies, we're not latitude. We're not, a, we're, we're small. And in order to make sure that we're not ending up with three hour long wait times and people sitting in our parking lot for an hour waiting for food that was supposed to be ready, we limit those spaces to only a handful for each 15 minute increment. And I keep a spreadsheet and we manually approve every single order that comes in. So I see one come in. I texted Brian the other day. I'm like, hey, I just got your order, but I just sold out the 515s. Can you do 530? Um, so if we're ordering at noon, you're like, uh, you're approving those, like. Yeah. So, so that's why we don't open. We open ordering at eleven because somebody has to manually approve every single order that comes oh, wow. in. Wow. Wow. Uh, to make sure, and that's the way the system's set up to make sure that all of a sudden I don't walk into work and I've got a hundred tickets for five o'clock. Sure. There's no possible way I can fill those all at once. So. It stinks on the one hand because I get so many phone calls every day from people are, who want to place an order and I have to tell them, I'm really sorry, we already sold out at noon already for today. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think it's helped us at least mitigate that frustration of people. Everybody right now is being so gracious and patient and kind, but it's still frustrating to have to, you know, hey, my order's supposed to be ready at five, it's six o'clock and I'm still sitting here waiting what's going on. So we're doing our best to not have that issue, which is why we're selling out. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's, you know, we're eight or nine weeks in now and still selling out every day and it's not dried up like we thought it would is completely mind blowing. And I'll, uh, I'll see you guys post uh, on Facebook and, uh, or, or on Kalamazoo menu, you know, too. And, uh, you know, again, shout out to Kalamazoo menu. I, I yeah. have to believe that they've, that they're the reason that like so many, um, restaurants and breweries and stuff in Kalamazoo is still like right now, but uh, yeah. um, I'll see the I'll, I'll see comments that are like, oh, like I didn't even know like there was this brewery in you know Kalamazoo yep. or or Portage, and like I can't wait to like come there like once we can start going out again and like all this stuff too. So like, absolutely, uh, I, yeah, it's gonna be uh, really cool once um, once we get out of this whole mess. And uh, just to, to kind of see, you know, what, what the Kalamazoo food scene and beer scene is going to be like after, um, you know, after this happens. Uh, right. I feel like it's it's definitely going to blow up for a little bit before things get yeah. a little bit. <laughs> like, we're going to hire like 10 more people because we're used to our high school slow rhythm. And now like, I'm happy to be terrified. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So a simple question for you guys. Uh, why do you love what you guys do? What, what keeps you in it? What keeps you going? I'd say it's the same thing that made us start it. Um, and and right now aside, we built this business for the purpose of bringing people together. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to introduce two people together that that, uh, that didn't know each other and maybe they become best friends or you know who knows what can happen from that. Or get married. We've had that happen. Yeah. We've already <laughs> have that's, that's awesome. one year and there's potential for that to happen yeah, again. Yeah, there's a second one. That's, so if you're watching, Jim, yeah. we're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Calling him out. Uh, yeah. So, so here's the thing: we built this 
um, for the goal of bringing people together. Community is so important to us. We wanted to put a brewery in our community. We wanted to, we put in 12 foot long picnic tables so that people would sit next to people that they might not know. And all of these things are meant to contribute to building our community. And it's been really, really a bit of a bummer to not be able to to, to have that lately. Um, because that's, that's really, I think, why this came together. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of continuing to um, just kind of build up friendships and, and build up all of that around us. But right now it's a little harder to do since we're not allowed to be together. Um, but that's, it's, I think for me, it's the future promise of more community being built uh, through what we're trying to do that kind of holds us through this time period and, and gets us ready for what's next. Right. That's cool, man. Yeah, same, basically. I mean, it's all about the people for us. And, you know, David, I don't know if you guys saw David Jones comment earlier about when we're going to have Trivia Nights back on. And I kind of took over Trivia Night hosting from Jake a couple months ago when, on a night that he had to go to a different meeting um, for Lakes and our business owners and told him also that I wasn't giving it back because I had so much fun with it. And just things like that, you know, Trivia Night, we already talked about uh, open mic and uh, live music on Thursdays. We do comedy shows every once a month, um, which is where when Jason was talking about Jake being a stand-up comedian, he, he tried his hand at stand-up comedy on one of our stand-up nights. And, yeah. you know, we, we do all sorts of fun stuff, and really it's just having people in our space. And, you know, one of my, one of my favorite things with Tuesday Trivia Nights, like our teams that come every week or most weeks, they give each other so much crap. Like the smack talk is out of control and I love it. <laughs> I, I come to to just like truly miss these people. Like they're, you know, maybe they don't want to hang out with me in real life, but I want to hang out with them. So now that I can't, that sucks. And yeah, the, the people, the people aspect <laughs> is hundred percent why we do what we do to be able to sit at the bar and just talk to random people. Um, I love to sit at the bar and not wear any presidential gear. People know who Jake is. They don't know who I am. <laughs> I love it because I will sit at the bar incognito and then just talk to random people. And eventually they're like, oh, are you the owner's wife? And I'm like, no, I'm the owner. And <laughs> the he works for me. Nice. Just hanging out and talking to people is the uh -huh. best. And we're fortunate that through takeout, you know, we can do that from behind our masks as, as we're running food out a little bit. And, you know, getting to meet, meet so many new people on the internet. Um, I've spent a lot more time on Facebook than I usually do, which is saying something because I already <laughs> spent a lot of time on Facebook. Right. Um, but the last two months, you know, getting to kind of be the face of the beer fairy and, and silly things like that, but to get to connect with people and then see their faces when they finally come and get takeout for the first time and get to meet them a little bit. It's, it's been really great. So well, I'm really looking forward to being able to do all that stuff in person again, but absolutely. grateful for a little piece of it in the meantime to keep us going. So speaking of like that, uh, Jake kind of mentioned like, you know, community and the reason that he, you know, really wanted to open the brewery and stuff like that. Um, but your, your, you know, community is a little bit different right now, Kaylee. Like you, you have like this whole Facebook <laughs> thing going on, right? Like um, if I remember right, didn't you guys, did, didn't Burger Bros like help you guys out with some buns like not too long ago and stuff like yeah. that? Like. Like I mean, what? Like what's all, like? There's so much like business to business like relationship building going on right now. Like how's how you how are you like? Is that I don't know. Like tell me about that. 
Yeah, so I feel like that happens a lot in the brewing world already. I mean, the number of times that, you know, Jake will call up Trevor over at One Mom and be like, yo, I need some malt or some yeast or whatever. Um, and like everybody helps themselves or helps each other out in that aspect. Um, but for whatever reason, it seems like the, like the restaurant side of that is not as connected as the brewing industry might be. Sure. Uh, so one of my favorite things that's come out of this Kalamazoo menu group um, has been the owners group that also exists. So a lot of you may or may not know about that, but mm-hmm. um, Mark and Beck, who created the Kalamazoo menu group, created a separate group for owners and general managers, just to kind of connect privately and be able to bounce things off each other. And that group's been really neat. There's been a lot of people, you know, I saw a post in there a couple weeks ago where somebody, I think it was from Richland Pub, they said, my pizza oven stopped working. Does anybody have somebody I can call? And, you know, within minutes, there were a number of different comments on there. Hey, this is my guy, call him, whatever. There was a night that we had seen one of the busiest weeks yet, and we were out of buns. And our normal supplier was like, yo, we're also out of buns. So, sorry, <laughs> so well. Like, there's literally nothing we can do. I think it was kind of that peak of supply chain crashing where yeah. nobody could get anything. It was a mess. I, like, ran over to Gordon's. They were sold out of everything. Um, so I made this post saying, hey, does anybody have a source for buns in Kalamazoo that I can get today? We ended up finding some, our, our normal supplier was able to borrow some, I think from somebody else who didn't need them. Um, but I had, you know, Ken who owns Jersey Giants was offering for me to come get stuff. Chris who owns Burger Bros. Hey, come get brioche buns. I got them. Um, Frankie at Chow House, I can make you buns. Victorian Bakery was like, yo, we got you. Sarkozy's had us. Like everybody was just like, we have you tell us what you need. We'll get it done today. And this was literally like two in the afternoon. And I'm like, I need this stuff by four o'clock. And we were good. It was fantastic to see how many people were just willing to say, Hey, I've got what you need. Don't ask questions Don't we'll worry about, I'm not going to sit here and figure out invoicing and all that stuff right now. We'll just make sure you've got what you need to get through your shift tonight. So that's been really fun. I've gotten to kind of actually meet um, a lot of different business owners. A lot of them have come in to get, food and beer from us. We go get food and beer from them or not, not always beer, but sometimes beer. Um, so to be able to see that level of community support, just business to business has been very encouraging. And I think it's, it sets a good example to customers and to the general public when they see that business owners are willing to set aside that especially during a pandemic when everyone's like, we need business, I need business to stay afloat. But in this time, you have all these different business owners who are saying, hey, I got lunch over at this place and it was awesome. Even though they served lunch too. And you know, we served dinner, but I got dinner from this place today. You should try them out. So I think for the general public to see that modeled, my hope is that people will walk away from this pandemic with a different attitude about spreading the love and supporting each other and being kind to one another. There's plenty of room for all of us. There's exactly. there are so many, there are 34, 5,000 people in this group, just in that Facebook group. There are plenty of people who want to buy food in Kalamazoo. We found that out the last couple of weeks, I think. So there's, there's definitely more good that comes from supporting each other and lifting each other up than from that gimme, gimme, I'm better than everyone else. You shouldn't go anywhere but my place. And I haven't seen anybody with that attitude since the started too, which is really cool. 
I've yeah, uh, I've always loved you know Kalamazoo, but uh, this it, it's uh, it, now that this pandemic uh, you know and 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 through this whole like like awful terrible annoying situation yeah uh, i just i feel like it's really drove home just like how awesome a community we have like and it's not just like saying oh yeah kalamazoo is a cool community like people have come out and actually shown just how amazing like you know the kalamazoo portage you know areas yeah. and, you know, and, and surrounding township and stuff too like i think we're just we're just in a really special place. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's cool. you know, a lot of these people, especially just you know, thinking about the Kalamazoo Mini Group, a lot of these folks are experiencing hardship too. They're laid yeah. off too. They're yeah. and they're they're the right now, but they're they're making a conscious effort to decide. I'm going to pick one new place a week to go try takeout, and people are are trying to bust out of their rut a little bit. Um, I know that I've tried. Oh, we have. Yeah. We, also, we don't get takeout very often normally. I mean, I go to Jack's once a week with my best friend and sit at the bar and order the exact same stuff. I sit in literally the same seat every single week. <laughs> <laughs> the same food and the same drinks and I play the same trivia game on the little machine. So I'm a creature of habit. And I think a lot of folks are. Our, our nature is to have places that we feel at home, places that we feel comfortable. And this has been a really cool time to challenge people there's so many restaurants I didn't even know existed. Oh, and totally. Exactly. Yeah. It, we run into that. Driving out to the boondocks to find restaurants that somebody is like, I mean, like, I can't wait to spend 30 minutes in my car to find Chicken House because apparently they have incredible chicken sandwiches. I don't know. Normally, I never would take the time to go out of my way to find that. Uh, no, but that's what I we've gotten out of Kalamazoo. Many right now, like Drake Road is my the bane of my existence, but I go there multiple times a week to get Maui Poke because it's incredible and has changed my life. So, <laughs> thanks to that group, I myself have found all sorts of new places, and we've seen a lot of that too. Of people who have said, "I've driven by your place for a year, but I never stopped because I didn't like beer and I didn't know you had food." Or yeah, people sure. who are coming, we get people. I don't know if Alan's still watching. Alan came to see us like three times this week from Battle Creek. That's a hell of a drive. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's commitment for tops. I mean, it's it's really amazing to see what people are willing to do to keep their local businesses thriving right now. And man, the number of times Jake and I will come home after a takeout shift and sit on the couch and just like look at each other and be like, what the heck just happened? Like, how is this still how are we still selling out? How are we still meeting new people all the time how are there still people willing like fighting for a spot to spend their money with us it's the most humbling thing i've ever experienced in my life i gotta ask oh. food wise uh presidential brewing pickle pizza there you go <laughs> so we were gonna do it last week true story we we're gonna do it last week i i there's a picture on my instagram somewhere i made a homemade pickle pizza last year before this is cool, just gonna go out and say that. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, we talked about doing it last week, but then it blew up on the menu group in like yep. five different <laughs> Dropped a pickle pizza this week, so we're like, okay, we're gonna hold off and bring it next week because <laughs> we didn't want to like do it at the same time as everybody else. So we also yeah. have collaboration pizza in the works with Calvin and Co Barbecue, which is what I had for dinner, and it was fabulous. So ten out of ten recommend. Dill pickles, yes, Brandon. Yes. No. yes. Bread and butter pickles can die in a fire. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you. <laughs> Hot pickles on a Cuban. Yeah. But Ooh. not on anything else. Um, so Amy, Amy and I had dill pickle pizza up north 
like a year or two ago and it was amazing you know and we, we've looked around here too and it's the same thing like it started popping up on kalamazoo menu and uh, people were asking but there wasn't really anything around here and we both loved it so we did that we made dill pickle pizza at home yeah. like the week before last or whatever but now you know i see all these posts jacks and jaspars and and you know everybody's got it out and we're like talking about which one to try um but to know now that you'll have one next week and <laughs> yeah i have not had one yet so i haven't either oh. i felt so bad though because somebody posted that jacks has sweet pickles and like the entire internet lost their collection i, I saw that and everyone was like no Boycott if, 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 if I bought a pickle pizza yeah. and bit into a sweet pickle, I would cry. That See, I, I love sweet pickles. <laughs> no. But that no, even no. sounds gross to me. <laughs> like, have, like, dill pickle sounds, sounds right on a pizza. Everything else at Jack's is phenomenal. Just no, they it. have a, the mac macaroni and cheese pizza. Oh, with bacon oh, and peas? Oh, yes. Uh, I could do without the peas, but... Our next pizza is also Man, that sounds amazing. Might as well throw the slime of lasagna on top too. Just get all the Italian foods. <laughs> so, so what's on the horizon for presidential? Uh, what are, What are your plans? Making it past okay. COVID? Yeah, let's stay open. <laughs> are, are you looking to the future past COVID? And and what what's this going to be like for you? What What's on the horizon? So I think we've been working on this actually a lot in the last two months even. Um, as many of you know, we have a pretty awesome uh, location with mini golf outside. Uh, the problem with mini golf is that it sat there for exactly 10 years untouched. Oh, uh, hold on, let me it. find it. There we go. If you leave, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I have literally 10 years worth of muck and algae and garbage that's built up outside. So over the last I wouldn't call it all of the two months because when it's 40, I'm not doing this. But when it's nice enough, I go out and I power wash and I try to clean these mini golf holes. So um, I'll just kind of quick show you a picture that I pulled up just for this. This, I don't know if you'll even be able to see it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. yeah that's wow. the difference old and new. Um, <laughs> just the power washing. So we, we bought a property that had 18 mini golf holes. We had eight, uh, nine of them taken out, but we had nine of them left uh, because I thought it would be really fun to have some mini golf at the brewery. And so right now I'm currently seven and a half mini golf holes are clean out of nine. Um, awesome. So we're getting close to it. Uh, and almost all of them have all of the turf. <laughs> <laughs> the rest so, are just uh th those are natural obstacles That's it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be one of those uh yeah like a challenge course if you will but um i think that one of the evolutions that you'll see at our brewery this year is the outdoor space uh and it's not going to be probably all the way to what we're trying to get to this year just because all the crews got slowed down and um but you know, I know that we can we can kind of finish up this mini golf course. We can kind of work on some stuff. And then we're actually first on the docket for where we demoed out those nine holes this year. We're first on the docket next year to get those uh, cleaned up and, and have a really cool beer garden space out there, too. So that's, that's probably the next evolution is to um, have a really, really cool outside space. Uh, and on top of that, part of our outside space is going to include another walk-in cooler um we have a walk-in cooler that's big enough for a brewery uh not really big enough for a brewery with a full kitchen 
Uh, and so we need some more cold storage and we're going to use that outside uh, cooler to, to hold uh, maybe some canned beer so we can start a little bit of, uh, you know, canning at the brewery. And um, on top outside of that, it also, it also serves as a great spot for outside tap. Yeah. <laughs> there you awesome. go. So we're going to have, the plan is to have an outside bar uh, along with, yeah, everything else that we're working on out there. We may require you to bring your own lawn chair for the rest of 2020. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm game. BYOC, that's, that's cool. <laughs> you play golf for free if you bring your own chair. So um, I think we've made it through the, the scripted questions that we had. I'm just scrolling through chats, and I, I saw one that I really do want to talk about, uh, especially being Memorial Day, and, and I don't want to bring it down at all, but uh, let's talk about the, the, pay, the beer forward. Uh, and the veteran wall that you do. That's an amazing uh, service and feature that you have at the breweries. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll talk about this just because this was um, this was sort of my thing. Um, as we were opening this, and, and part of this, you kind of have to understand a little bit of background about us. We're both uh, strong Christian faith. It's really important to us uh, to try to find opportunities to care about other people for no expectation of return. Like I, the, that's just part of who I am as a person. My goal is to try to make somebody else's life better if I can. Uh, and so that was, that was really the, the genesis of this point. Um, but I have a lot of friends that are veterans and, and I spent a lot, a lot of time talking to them. I, I thought, how do I find a way to use this brewery to help other people? Uh, and, and through that kind of brainstorm, this idea of buy a veteran a beer. So we have, we have a wall uh, hanging up at the brewery and you can buy, it's a little tag. It looks kind of like a, a brown paper version of a dog tag, if you will. Um, and, and basically anybody can add a beer to their tab. Um, and, and the purpose of that is I'm, I'm adding this beer that I'm not going to drink, but I want some veteran somewhere to come in here, grab one of these tags off the wall and drink it, uh, paid for by somebody from their community. And so that's really important to, to, uh, us for, for a lot of reasons, but, um, we want to, we want to show our veterans some love. They've done a lot for us. And, uh, that's it's just a small way that we can kind of give back. And, and part of the program too, uh, is that everybody can write on the tag, uh, so they can write a special message. Thank you for your service. Uh, you know, I served in such and such battalion, whatever it might be. A lot of people will, will write messages on the tags and a lot of folks that redeem them will take those things home. Um, the hope is that sometimes that might mean something to them, that it, that, it, uh, that it hits home for them. The other piece of this program is that for every buy a veteran a beer tag that's purchased, we take $1 from that beer and we send it on to a, a company that we partner with called Zero Day. Uh, this, is a, this is a nonprofit that is more or less focused on trying to rehab veterans, uh, specifically veterans that that have not found their way back into the workforce. Um, if you look at the military and you're on the front lines, you learn how to shoot and, and that's really useful in that setting. But that's not a marketable skill set when you get back home. Uh, and so Zero Day will teach them how to build gardens. They'll teach them how to construct uh, barns or houses or, or whatever and give them a new skill that's employable um, and it's that's been such a cool partnership for us. We've really, really loved to be in with them and supporting their mission of giving these veterans 
an opportunity to kind of stand off on their own. Uh, and so I, the, the veteran beer wall is something that's really, really near and dear to us. We, we love it. And um, what's been so cool about it is it's not just us. It's the entire community that's come together. Our beer wall, our veteran beer wall has never been even close to empty. Um, people have come in, they see tags on the wall. I need to be a part of that. I'm buying one. I'm hanging one up. I'm hanging six up, whatever it is. That's so cool. um, it's just a neat way to make it easy to give back to a community that definitely deserves it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. That's, that's a, such a cool feature. I watched a little spot the other day that you guys did with one of the morning shows and, and they talked about it and it, it, I was kicking myself for not including it. So I'm glad uh, somebody brought it up. So yeah, cool. There we go. There's some John Sutton supporting our veterans. We need to do more of, of course. Um, so I'm digging through. We got this one. Yep. There you go. That's not it. It was, it was, it was Taylor. It was Taylor. I, I saw a question from him. There, here. Is there a type of beer that you haven't tried brewing yet that you've been excited to try? Uh, Mole oh is coming, right? Um, but <laughs> for a long time, it was a seltzer. I was begging for a seltzer forever. So, so as a brewer, now there's always a billion more channels that you can go after, and there's so much creativity out there. And one of the things that I'm really excited about right now is I've got uh, five new empty barrels coming my way on Tuesday. Uh, Ooh, buddy. Ooh. So, Filling those barrels is going to be fun. One of them specifically is a tequila barrel, which we're going to fill with our sherbet awesome. Hoover. Um, awesome. Oh, wow. Oh, that really sounds amazing. What that's going to turn out to to be. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, yes, there's always something. Um, as far as a particular style, um, man, not specifically. There's not one that I've, I've really avoided or, or held off on getting into. We've done some lager. Um, not that lager is a style in and of itself, but you get the drift. Um, we we haven't, I haven't been missing out on a specific style, but there are a couple of beers that I've just had in mind that I haven't done yet. Uh, and so some of these barrels are going to help us to do some of them. And I'm really excited for what that means come election season, uh, November of this year, and then President's Day of next year. So just a little advanced warning. But that's when you need to be watching out. Is that your uh, your anniversary? Was that President's Day? Is that what I remember? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we celebrate our anniversary on President's Day. We actually opened the towards the end of March, but okay. President's Day is the more perfect anniversary for presidential <laughs> Yeah. Here's the thing. We, we knew that uh, we could throw a heck of a party in the middle of February and everybody would show up. Um, and so we did. And it, it was awesome we had such a great time with it it's close enough to our one-year date that we're just like that's that's our day we're gonna go with that forward we didn't try we were planning to open on president's day that was supposed to be our grand opening but i don't know if you guys remember the last time the government shut down was january well december of 2018 mm, yes leading up to when we were supposed to be opening which meant our licensing sat in limbo somewhere in washington dc at the ptb um, so this shutdown stuff, I'm like, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> David, your dog is causing problems. Um, 
Let's let's go. I gotta jump over. <laughs> we're, we're putting sherbet Hoover into the tequila barrel. A Cheeto beer. Oh snap! <laughs> there you go. Sorry, David. Um, fried mac and cheeseburger. There's a question too if the if the vet piece works with takeout. <clears throat> if they can, if you can we buy a. Don't have that set up. Um, it's it's a little bit of a challenge right now because we don't have a good way to redeem those during the takeout period. Uh, and so while we're while we're limited from having people coming in, you know, part of part of the buy a veteran a beer program is we want to maintain integrity and we want to make sure that it are that it's veterans receiving that. Uh, yeah, so we yeah. we will look at IDs and we'll double check that the right person is is receiving that. It's a little bit harder uh, to do that at all right now uh, with online only ordering. So we didn't want to have the buy a veteran a beer thing going while we couldn't offer the benefits to the people that it's meant for. Uh, and so for now it's not up, but once we're open again, absolutely that wall is always there and we're ready to go for that program. Yeah, I think, I mean, I like John's suggestion of being able to purchase those that people who want to purchase them can still purchase them now, but maybe just not be able to redeem them. and pull them back. I can see them. where it's a little complicated. We'll yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I saw one earlier. I'm trying to find it. Uh, and I think it got answered in chat, but I want to get the official word from you. But uh, Ron Henning asked what your radius was for the beer ferry. Ron, I'm sorry. I can't find it in the chat. Um, I think it did get answered, but I'll just clarify for anybody who's listening. Here's the rules for beer delivery. Okay. So we deliver Tuesdays from five to eight. And I'm just going to throw the disclaimer out there that it's from five to eight. We don't know what time between five and eight. It might be, be five. Eight. Yeah. We always have a, a handful of drivers who are coming with us, and Jake has some wizardry that he does to make these fancy routes for us and everything. But anyway, so order by two o'clock on Tuesday. We deliver that day from five to eight p.m. Fifteen mile radius from the brewery. Our address is eight three zero two Portage Road. If you need to check your radius, um, twenty dollar minimum, no delivery charge. Pretty simple. You can go to our website and click the delivery button at the top, and that'll take you there. It'll show you what we have. We also deliver our craft sodas in crawlers and bottles, and we deliver our Icebox brand ice cream bars, which are literally life-changing. Anyone who's had them can talk to this. They are fantastic. Ooh, also, there's a Sherbert Hoover ice cream bar coming. Soon. Yeah, they're going to make oh, it. Is not. Is it from the same place? Yeah. 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 No way. That's what, amazing. What flavor? <laughs> Uh, is this the raspberry? Nice, nice. Yeah, there's only fancy pants raspberry, so I think it'll have to be like not no chocolate involved. Is it? Is it alcoholic? Well, it, no. they literally use our beer to make the filling, so I think by the time they like make it, it's probably not. <laughs> probably not. <right? laughs> yeah. Hey, it's it's after nine o'clock. It's after dark hours. It's okay, John. <laughs> Does, uh, does your fancy schmancy uh, routing software use Excel to uh, to create the routes? You know it does. Jake literally pushes <laughs> does one it, button does it actually? and Excel talks to it does. It talks <laughs> to the website which goes to and he made it go to Microsoft Word so it pre-prints all the labels that my staff puts on the bag oh, with so a good. checklist of what goes in everybody's order. That's amazing. He's yeah. a psycho. I have the APIs and everything for this. 
he's not right in the head. But I'm grateful. So you're doing all the brewing and uh, and still, you know, doing software development on the side for the business, huh? Don't forget the accounting. I'm also the accounting. Yeah. guy. So basically, you're just really bored all the time. Yeah, that's that sums up my life. <laughs> well, you guys are doing amazing things, uh, and and I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking to us tonight. Um, I know that most of the people in the stream that are watching know who these people are, but of course, for those that may be watching in the future, check out their Facebook, check out their website, order their food, order their beer, uh, give some love to Presidential and the other businesses in Kalamazoo. Um, so uh, it's, 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 it's important to support local, right? Definitely. Absolutely. You guys got any, uh, yeah. Yeah, like I mentioned it earlier, but just Kalamazoo is a really special place. So, yeah, thank you guys for being on tonight. Um, as other questions might trickle in and we try to wrap up, do you guys have any like anything you, you want to say? I mean, advertise your business or, you know, whatever you want to do. Closing comments. Oh, yeah. Close. <laughs> like, uh, hot ones. This camera's for you and you and you. Yeah. <laughs> no, realistically, I think. I mean, I'm going to speak for us, but you can speak for yourself if you want to. But for me, it's just a massive I see a lot of faces in here who are people that have supported us relentlessly, some for the last year, some just for the last two months. And we're just, I mentioned earlier that we're so humbled, and that's really the best word to describe it. There's a lot of days where we just sit here and, you know, we, we see Tuesday delivery orders rolling in, or we see weekend takeout orders rolling in, or we see people liking, commenting, sharing our Facebook. Um, and it's incredibly humbling. That's literally the only word I can come up with right now um, to describe how it feels to know that there are people out there who are rooting for you to succeed. And especially in a time where it's easy, it would be easy to walk away, not easy, but people would understand if we walked away. If we said, hey, we can't survive this, and we're not even gonna try because this is miserable and it's hard and it's scary and whatever. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody would be surprised or judgmental about that. But the fact that we're still here and that we can even think about what reopening looks like, we didn't know if that was gonna be a reality for us. When this all started, we truly had to come face to face with the idea that maybe all of the stuff that we worked at for the last few years is done. And the fact that it's not is incredible. So we're just so grateful for everyone who has supported us from day one and day negative 5,000. I mean, a lot of, all three of you guys have been around for the beginning stages of this. And um, some of the folks in the comments have too, but yeah, just gratitude from my end. And I'll echo a lot of the theme. Um, there's, is it, they talk about it taking a community to raise a baby. Well, this is this is our uh, most recent baby, and this thing would not have come together if it were just up to me and Kaylee. We're pretty good at what we do, but uh, I can promise you that this thing has worked because of a lot of great people around us, and we're just so lucky to have so many awesome people in our lives, and and you guys taking us on and and doing this interview with us, and um, you know, homebrew club that tasted my crap beer for a couple of years and helped me get better at this. And um, a community, I, I just keep coming back to a community of people. I, I cannot imagine trying to have done this without the people that we have in our corner. 
whether they're new or old, if you've been around with us at all, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are incredible people. We love you. And we're so grateful for everything that you've done to help us get to this place. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And then you talk about the community and that's, that's why we started this is so we could get more involved with the community and, and, uh, and, and get to hang out with cool people like you and, and, and the other brewers in the area. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Uh, no special guests, right? Next week, we'll just be the three of us uh, chatting, yep. drinking some beer, telling recapping. stories, recapping. Yep. Um, I don't think we have our official uh, guest list lined up for next the, the next episode. We're, we're still new and we're still trying to... Uh, yeah, we, we, we have a few, we have a few people that, uh, that <laughs> yeah. said that they would love to be on, but we don't have a committed. Yeah, uh, so, commitment, so, so so keep a keep an eye out on our Facebook. Uh, and, um, we'll, we'll be posting some information as we get it, as we line up uh, the next the next people. Um, and then, yeah, this is an important question. I guess we'll, we'll we'll close on this. Is David wants to know if you've paid your dues, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> In November last year. Come on. <laughs> it's not even you're right, David. They're not even due yet. So <laughs> no. Uh, you know, an entire episode of David telling you all of his British slang terms for inappropriate words. Yes. I would tune in for that personally. And then don't Google whatever he tells you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, we'll sign out. Thanks for everybody for watching. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for being. All right. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Bye. Cheers.